Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. What happened post-enlightenment is that we became a culture, and really all of Western society became a culture, that, that moved more and more away from the supernatural. We came much more about the empirical. We, we came, became much more about the things that we could measure, that we could put in an Excel spreadsheet, that we could prove on a piece of paper, that we could put in a report verified by our peers. We did all of those things. How many of you goes, that, that's not hadn't really been working out for us the last year and a half either. Nobody, still, nobody believes that anymore either. Like the empirical stuff, Right? We moved more and more that way, and if we couldn't reason it, if we couldn't speak logic with it, if we couldn't somehow win in an argument because of it, it became less and less important to us and became superstitious rather than supernatural. And we moved away from those things. The problem is, and you know this, that your body will tell you what you need. Whether it be through a sickness or a pain, right? if something's going on, you know you need medicine, uh, you know you need a different diet, or, or maybe you're tired all the time. Your body will crave the right things. Your body will want the right things, but the body doesn't get to control what the body gets. You do. Your mind gets to decide what your body gets. So sometimes what happens is your body craves something. How many of you know that, that, that sometimes when you're hungry, you're actually just thirsty? You actually just need to drink more water. Sometimes what happens is our body wants something and then our mind decides what it's going to get. In the same way, our spirit craves things. And so no matter how far we've tried to move away from the things that are supernatural, away from the things that are spiritual, away from the things that, that would maybe look a little superstitious or weird or strange, the body, the spirit, the church, and even just people in general have yearned for, wanted for something else. And in the desire for those something else's, we have fed it all kinds of different things. And so now you end up in a space where you have people who will say things, it's the tagline, I'm spiritual, I'm just not religious. Right? I'm spiritual. I mean, all kinds of shows, I mean, I feel like every time I turn on television, there's a new paranormal show debuting. Like a new one, it's just like HDTV. They got remodeling shows and paranormal shows. That's what you got. That's all you get. It's very much a part of our culture to think about what is beyond. And yet, when it comes to life and how we overcome, we don't want to think about the things that help us get there. We want to be able to measure it. And I love measuring. I'm, I, I'm so down with empirical. I'm so down with reason. Paul was too. For all the things I'm about to share with you that Paul said, he also went into the Uh, the temples in Acts 17 and went into the marketplace and reasoned with them for days or months. So Paul is not one who is against the logical side, the intellectual side, the mind side of our faith, but he also understood that there are some things your mind will never understand. There are some things that your logic and reason will never be able to explain. I mean, even, even some of you this morning and some of the things that you felt like the Lord shared with you or felt like the Holy Spirit was doing, that's, that's not something I can put on a data sheet. Except that God did it in your life. I don't think these things are meant to be separated or juxtapositioned against themselves. I don't think they're meant to somehow be opposed to one another. I think they're both meant to be the fullness of our life. In fact, last week, what did we talk about? That we would someday worship in spirit, like the Samaritans who couldn't set up a temple, but knew that there was something else to worship. And the Jews, and Jesus says, we know the truth. 
and you worship on this mountain, and he says there will be a day where what you weren't sure of, but you were still worshiping, and what you are sure of, but you weren't worshiping, will come together and begin to realize that we know who he is, and we know what he's calling us to, and we can truly worship, and we don't have to go to a certain mountain to do it. And in the same way, Paul was one who was very, very smart, very, very, in fact, Erwin McManus just put out a book about Jesus, and it's called The Genius of Jesus. For all the changes he brought into our world, for all the things that have changed drastically since he arrived on the earth, you never see him on a top 100 genius list. But I want to encourage you this morning as we talk about legion and we talk about demons and we talk about the supernatural, no, we're not going to cover it all. There's no chance in the next 20 minutes we're going to cover all of it. So don't, I'm not going to do that. But what I do hope is that I set some level of foundation for you and see how Jesus handled these kind of situations and Jesus handled this kind of scenario. But before we do that, I want to read a couple, um, a couple things that would, would kind of set the tone uh, for today. And this is, these are verses from Paul. So I want to start with Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and you can read this um, with me. It says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. That's good. That's good encouragement. Put on the full armor of God so that, everybody say so that, so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. That's a real thing. Uh, now, now if, if you look through scripture, what you find out is that the devil is actually the better way to say Satan. Satan was often referred to as the Satan. That is almost as much as a title as it was a name. Go ahead to the next one. For our battle, oh, this is so good. This is so important if we're going to talk about demons and the supernatural. For our battle is not, is not, is not, is not forever, forever. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, of this darkness. Now, Paul would have this idea that the, 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 uh, the present evil age, you see this in Galatians, the present evil age, Jesus has broken into it from the future age to come, the one that we are yearning for, but also currently living in. He has broken into this present evil age. So he's talking about these powers over this darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the supernatural is in the Bible. Right? Here's Paul, who's kind of establishing the church all over the world, and this is what he's sharing with you. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is not against you and me. It is not against the person to your right or your left. I promise, husband, I promise, wife, it is not against the person you argued with on the way here. It is not. Now, also, let me just be very clear. Don't drive home and go, I know it was the demon. Don't do that either. That's also not a good idea. All right? Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. In other words, the battle that you and I are waging as the church, the battle you and I wage in life, is not against the person across from you, but it is against the things that are above us, the things that are uh, um, uh, would have been almost like regional things, right? In fact, when Jesus is tempted, there's a bit of a reference to this, that I'll give you all the kingdoms. I'll give you all the different things on this earth. And so there's something happening around us that's beyond us. He does this again in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's read that one together. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. This is why you must, oh, sorry. For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way. 
Hear that. We do not wage war in an unspiritual way. Go ahead for the next part. Since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every high-minded thing. This is important, the connection between mind and spirit, the connection between freedom and what's happening in your mind. We're going to read this in a moment. And every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. There's something really important happening. In, in fact, Paul's kind of int- uh, mentioning to the Corinthians, hey, why do you guys keep pra- uh, fighting this war in these really practical ways? And I have nothing against practical. The practices of Jesus are important. The practices of the church matter. And in most cases, they create the environment. They create an environment and an atmosphere in which you can walk into the things that need to be walked into. Just like when Jesus, when, sorry, when God created Adam, he created the shape first. And then he breathed life. He breathed the Spirit. Same thing happens in Acts chapter 2. He creates this group of people, this larger group of people. They end up in the upper room, and then God breathes. He's always about creating both of those uh, together. And Paul is saying, hey, hey, listen, there's, there's ways to do this that are different. Quit, quit trying to do it on your own through all these practical ways. He's not saying those aren't good. He's not saying those you shouldn't do those. He's saying don't lose sight of what this really is. This really is a a, a war in the spirit of your life. In the soul of who you are and around you, there's something going on. Okay, Luke chapter 8. There's the setup. There's our ground rules. Things are actually happening. I remember uh, I grew up in a... um, I grew up in a, a, well, I grew up in a charismatic home, but we, we uh, went to church. The church I grew up probably in my most formative years, high school and, and junior high, I was at a church um, uh, that was like Wesleyan in background, but then it was Nazarene, actually, and then uh, I think we did charismatic stuff, too. So I don't know, which I love. I think that's beautiful. Like, I think it's, that's beautiful. Um, but I, I remember uh, there was a radio show that I would drive home, to school, drive home from school with, some of you know the radio show. I'm not going to tell. We didn't listen to it every day, but every once in a while. And it usually actually wasn't with my family. It was with whoever I was carpooling with, which is interesting. And uh, there was a guy who had a radio show. And this is before, you know, you could just watch YouTube on your phone and all that. You had to listen to things. And, uh, uh, and, and he would always have people call in possessed by demons. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? A few of you guys know who I'm talking about. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say his name. Um, but it's okay. No, I'm just joking. So I remember driving home, and I would always, and there were these people who would call in, and they, and they would growl, and they would have a low voice, and they would, like, they would say mean things, and he would, like, keep his cool, uh, and, 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 and things would happen. And then I remember he came to our church. I actually remember, which I'm telling you, this, the church is, that is beautiful for the fact that it had so many different streams coming into it. And I remember he came to our church, and uh, I don't even know if it's a church event, but I know he showed up and did something at our building. And uh, I remember, like, the storm came, and the lights went off, and immediately it was like, see, the devil's working. And, uh, and I know, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you something real clear. I, because something isn't done the way you expect it to be done doesn't mean something's not happening. And for all the things that I think about that, they were like, wow, that's intense. Wow, that, I absolutely believe there are people who, who found freedom through it. I, I remember, I, I'm telling you, I remember, and, and y'all are thinking, I, I grew up in a very amazing church. Like, it, it wasn't like this all the time. I'm just telling you over 40 years, some experiences. And I remember one time where this guy walked in, and it was all stereotypical. He had, um, 
had the trench coat, had long hair. Uh, it was back in the day when uh, rock music was actually rock music, and um, it was like heavy metal stuff, and, and it was all the stuff, and I remember he walks in, and I remember by the end of the night, we're praying, and this guy, he just goes nuts. I mean, really, truly. I mean, to the point where guys were having to hold him down. There's three or four guys, and he, I, I grew up watching this stuff, but it wasn't every week. It wasn't like that all the time. In fact, it was very rare. What I'm telling you is not the thing that happened every week. It was the, thing, it was the exception to the rule. And so there were times where I was like, oh, wow, what is going on? I tell you that not to say one is right or one is wrong. I'm not, I'm not here to do that. In fact, I would tell you that there are things that we should learn from those who would say I'm full-on charismatic and everything is this and everything is that. We need to learn from that. And then there's other people who would go, they never really deal with that, and we can learn from that. The reality is that, that both sides of this have something to speak to this particular topic. Because we can live our life thinking every single thing that happens, every single thing that goes wrong is a demon. Right? You sit down with someone, they tell you about their problem, you go, it's probably a demon. You're like, no, it's bad budgeting. I just didn't do a good job of my finances. That's all that happened. But then there's other times where we won't acknowledge it at all. And we won't acknowledge that someone really, truly is fighting something in the spirit. And we want to go, okay, let me just sit down with your Excel spreadsheet. Let me make sure all this happens. Instead of going, hey, let's pray into this right now. And let's begin to pray against the things that are trying to subdue your life. And so Jesus shows up in this story. And this is why I want to get on to this, because this is a really important story. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 shows up. Verse 26. He's just calmed the wind and waves. Don't forget that. All right, just calm the wind and waves, and so maybe that's why he arrives at the place where this man would show up in front of him, uh, but it, it's a pretty important moment. Jesus shows up, and, uh, and, and, and here's what happens, verse 26. Then they sailed to the region of Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When he got out on land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. A demon-possessed man from the town met him. So, so, so this guy came to meet Jesus. Um, this is not something that Jesus sought him out. This is something where this man showed up and met Jesus. We don't know where the rest of the city is. In fact, later on in the story, we get the idea that there weren't a whole lot of people out here except the guys who had pigs and the demon guy. Now, in another gospel, you would see that there's two men. Luke decides to focus in on the one. A demon-possessed man from the town met him. For a long time, he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house but in the tombs, in the graveyard. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and said in a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus? Jesus is like, well, you showed up. <laughs> you, you came to me. And he says, you're the son of the most high God. I beg you, don't torment me. It almost sounds like the demon is begging for mercy. It almost sounds like the demon is begging for grace, for mercy, for, for God to let up on him. So I beg you, don't torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was guarded, listen, this is the state of the man, though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into deserted places. Be driven by the demon. So here's the situation. We're going to get to Jesus' response in a moment. But here's the, situ the situation. Um, there's a man with no clothes. 
probably has some chains hanging off his arms and his legs. And I'm, this is the story Luke tells. This is the same story that Mark tells, same story that Matthew tells. Shows up to Jesus. And Jesus just got off the boat. He just calmed the wind and waves. The disciples are freaking out. And the very next thing that happens is, here's this guy wearing no clothes, got chains around his ankles and his, his arms, and he shows up to meet Jesus and screams out to Jesus, please have mercy on me. Don't torment me. And, 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 and what happens? Uh, in verse 28, we find out what? That the city, the people, didn't know what to do with this person. They didn't know what to do with him. See, we tend to do this in life. We tend to do this in our culture. We, we, have, we have turned, uh, because we've become so empirical and become, we've, we've become so practical, everything can be fixed with a policy. Everything can be fixed with a new bullet point. Everything can be fixed with a new kind of regiment or a new rhythm or a new routine or a new book or a new self-help or a new thing, right? We, we can get to a place where, where we have tried to fix and we can't. And so what ends up happening? We push those people. This is the problem with this idea of utopia. The problem with the idea of utopia, have you ever read a book about utopia that didn't have people that were pushed off to the margins? Have you ever read a book where someone tried to imagine the future, where everything was perfect, where someone wasn't shoved off to the side or excommunicated or pushed off? Because the reality is, is no matter how, how hard man tries, man can never stop the evil that, re, that exists in men. No matter how hard we try, no matter how many things we legislate, no matter how many things we take out of things, no matter, I'm telling you, no matter how safe a playground is, kids are still going to hurt themselves. No matter how many times we slap all natural and organic on food, we're still going to get sick because it, <laughs> it isn't natural. That no matter how we do this, there's always going to be something fighting against the good. Always something fighting against the kingdom of heaven. Always something that's going to be pushing back, and there will always be people, many of us sitting in this room, who will not resist it but give in to it. And we will always do that. And so no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard culture has tried, we have tried and tried and tried to get rid of evil, to somehow say it doesn't exist, somehow say you can do all the things you want to do. We, we, we come up with all different ways. We've summed every extreme of, of legislating, policymaking. We've done everything to say no. And then we flipped it and said, well, forget that. That's not working. Let's just say yes to everything. And neither one, neither one has brought us the utopia that we want. The postmodern dream is crashing in on itself. In fact, there's an editor who's 60, in his 60s who kind of led this postmodern kind of movement. He writes for, uh, I believe it's the New York Times, and talks about the postmodern dream is kind of like the kids who threw a party and at the end of the night hope their parents come back to clean it up. The idea that everything is okay, that everything is okay, I can immediately deflate that idea by giving you uh, no chairs and making you sit on the floor. You know, this is not okay. Well, who says? And so there's this idea that we can somehow just squash evil out, but that's not what happens. We have to defeat it. Based on what Paul's saying is that you can't fight this thing in unspiritual ways, that there are actually things that in your life and around people and stuff that's going on that you cannot win by simply waking up earlier. You cannot win by working out more. You can't win by eating better, even though all of those things are probably good for you and your body matters. But I'm telling you this, 
that ultimately at the end of the day, the one thing and the only thing that matters most when it comes to living out this freedom in Christ is to live in the Spirit. See, there is no law against what? The Spirit. There's something God does in us that cannot be directed by the things that are happening around us. And so Jesus looks at this man who's not wearing any clothes, who has remnants of chains, and who the people, no matter how good-hearted they were, had kind of banished into the graveyard. He was living amongst the dead. Living amongst the dead and just, just existing. And he goes, all right, i got to go see this Jesus guy. And, uh, and, and shows up and says, don't, don't torment me. Now, it's interesting because for me, I, 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 this clicked on with me the last couple of days. Um, this is not a conversation between the man and Jesus. In fact, we never hear the man's name. In fact, Jesus says this, what is your name? I love that. I love Jesus. Jesus is like, here's a, dude, maybe he's got some, I don't know. I, I don't know what he's got on, but not much. And he's probably dirty, probably smells, probably has changed. He's, he's someone that nobody else is talking to. They've gotten rid of him. I mean, he's guarded, for goodness sakes. He's guarded to keep him out of the city. Isn't that interesting? And then, and then Jesus shows up and, hey, hey, what's, what is your name? Now, who is he asking at this point? Is he asking the man? Is he asking the man, hey, what's your name? Tom? Bill? What's your name? Well, we don't, we don't know. Maybe he was asking the man, but here's, we know who answers. It wasn't the man. It was the demon. Jesus asked him, what's your name? And the demon says, Legion. Now, Legion was like 7,000 guards in the Roman army. So, so really what he's trying to say is, well, um, I've got many. I've got a few names. Uh, but Legion, the one that, that works the most because there's a lot of us. There's a lot going on on the inside of this man. My name is Legion. I think this is a really important distinction. It's the same one Paul makes, that we do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against what? The principalities, the powers, the dominion, the things that take dominion over the earth. Because remember, what is Jesus doing? He's breaking into the earth with heaven. He's announcing a new kingdom. He's taking back the thing that the enemy has tried to possess. So Jesus says, what's your name? And Legion answers. And this is such an important thing. Because so many of us, when we speak to a problem, we speak to the person instead. In so many cases, we try to cast out the person instead of the demon. And when we can't make the distinguishing, uh, if we can't distinguish between that which is evil and the actual person that exists, then we end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We end up casting people out instead of casting problems out. We end up destroying the workmanship of God rather than the works of the enemy. When we begin to speak to people as though they are the problem, then we become a problem. When we don't understand that the thread, as one writer says, the thread of good and evil exists in all of us. And Jesus, very early on, makes it distinguish, uh, distinguishes between this demon and the person that this demon is obviously in authority of. And that's what we find out in this interaction. What's the name? Well, my name's Legion. Okay, so that's who I'm talking to. That's who's in control here. Who's in control here is not 
the person. In fact, we never hear the name of the man. Nowhere in this story do we hear his name. We don't know his history. We don't have his bio. We don't know his Twitter handle. We got nothing. We just know that Legion has taken over, and Legion is doing all the things that Jesus is about to fix. See, so many times, gosh, so many times we blame the natural for the, when, when it really is the supernatural. We, we want to go, no, 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 you, you're the problem, John. Because the reality is, we don't want to deal with what's really driving the problem. Or maybe we haven't been taught how to distinguish the difference. One of the gifts of the Spirit is to discern the discernment of spirits. And so here's Jesus, Legion answers. And then we read, we keep reading. Jesus, son of the Most High, says, Who is this? What is your name? Jesus asked him, Legion, he said, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to banish them to the abyss, which is interesting. I've always read that and thought, is there one close by? Like, what are we talking about? And it's the same thing in the creation story. We know that there is an abyss. There's something deep. The, 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 the demon is, is scared of going into the deepest parts. And uh, there's some spiritual things behind that. There's some theological things behind that. But regardless, they are scared of something that's beyond even just what is natural. Because so we don't want to go to the abyss. Verse 32, a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs. And he gave them permission. The demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the men who tended them saw what had happened, they ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside. Then people went out to see what had happened. This, oh, I love this. They went out to see what had happened. What went on? What was going on? Clearly nobody else was around when this happened except for the people that were herding the pigs. And they came to Jesus and found the man the demons had departed from, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. I, I, it's interesting to me. I, I, there's all kinds of questions that should come up in your mind as you read this story. Don't be afraid of questions when you read the Bible. Seriously, please don't. Don't be afraid of questions when you read the Bible. When you read the story, you're going, what is going on here? Like Jesus doesn't say some like kumbaya prayer. He doesn't do some hocus pocus thing. He doesn't banish the man and say, you've already been given over to the devil. He doesn't do any of that. He says, what's your name? The demon tells him. He says, well, there's a lot of us in here. Doesn't really scare Jesus. Jesus doesn't seem to be in any kind of hurry to get away. He doesn't seem scared to do anything. In fact, what happens? He gives him permission. He doesn't even, like, cast him out. The demon's begging for mercy, and Jesus says, okay. Just in case some of you don't want to give that friend any. Jesus gave the demon some mercy. So, okay, yeah, 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 you go do the pig thing. That's fine. You have, <laughs> that's your best option because this man's going nowhere. I'm here for the man. I'm here for the person. And you're the problem. You go, person stays. <laughs> I love this. And then what happens? The people all come running to Jesus. And what do they find? They find a man who was naked, not in his right mind, breaking things, breaking chains, and they find him sitting, not standing, not in a posture of defiance, sitting at the feet of Jesus. 
It says something really important. And in his right mind, there's a verse where Paul is uh, encouraging Timothy. Timothy's pastoring this massive church, and it's still new, and there's all, oh, all kinds of things happening. And, and Paul encourages him and says, hey, hey, I just want you to stir up the gifting. And then he says this. He says, I have not given you a spirit of what? Fear, but of power, check. Of love, check. And of what? A sound mind. What does Paul say? We just read this verse a few minutes ago. He says, we do not fight in an unspiritual way. And he speaks to what? The mind of a believer. It's almost as though this story and the things we see throughout Scripture are pointing to the idea that that what the enemy is trying to get to the most is the way we think. Because if we get to the way we think, then we might just strip off who we are and we might run into places that bring nothing but death. See, the robes of a man in, in that time would have given some identification to who a person was. And so for this person to have gone and found something to wear, put his clothes back on, to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, the one he had just been screaming at, and to be sitting in his right mind. We, we don't want to make things spiritual all the time, but the reality is, is there's so many things that are going on in our life. So many more things that happen in and around us that have more to do with what's happening in our spirit than even what's happening in our mind. But what's happening in our spirit and what the enemy is trying to destroy is the way we think about who we are, the way we think about other people, the way we think about this earth, the way we think about our neighbors. Jesus wants us to be people who understand that there is something else going on. There is something else driving some decisions. Now, is everything demonic? No, please don't do that. Don't go to any every problem and every situation and go, this is just demons doing their thing. Because the, the truth is, if you do that, there will be places where you have all the ability and all the responsibility to do something different and just aren't. But please also don't be the person that says nothing spiritual. Nothing is the enemy trying to destroy. Nothing is the is the works of the flesh. Nothing is the dominions and the powers. Nothing is there. Because then you know what you won't do? You won't talk to Jesus about it. You won't pray for it. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. Jesus is the ultimate one who would walk into a situation. And this is what we see happening here. See, the, the method is still about the mission. What's happening here with Jesus is in one story, he's showing you the power over the natural. He's telling you that I am king over the natural world. I am king over this earth. I created it. I shaped it. I separated it. I did all these things. And so I can calm the winds and the waves. I can do that. And in the very next story, in the very next story, what he's showing you with your actual eyes, he's now showing you in your spirit that what is tormenting you, what is causing you uh, 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 chaos, what is causing pain and difficulty, I am Lord over that also. I can speak to it in the same way I spoke to the wind and waves. In the same way I'm king over the natural, I'm king over the spiritual. There is nothing on this pendulum, there's nothing along this space that I can't fix and that I am not the king of. 
I find it interesting in all of this that um, that Jesus doesn't retreat, retreat to to say a prayer, or retreat to kind of do something, and then come back and cast out a demon. He just shows up. It's interesting. The kingdom of heaven just shows up. Jesus is coming as the Prince of Peace. Jesus is shown up as peace. He's not coming hoping he can get it when he needs it. He's showing up as it. I am peace in the midst of storms. I am the peace in the midst of tribulation and trial. I am peace in the midst of pain. I am peace in all things and at all times. You find this throughout Scripture. Jesus says to his disciples, I give you peace. And the peace that I give you, this world cannot. He says, give to me all the things that you have in prayer and thanksgiving. And I will give you what? Peace that surpasses all understanding. The fruit of my spirit is what? Peace. What does peace mean? It does not simply mean the absence of conflict. It does not mean that we just don't have anything bad going on. It means wholeness. It means shalom. It means fullness and completeness, that everything is coming together. The reason we don't have peace in our soul is because our mind is disagreeing with our spirit. The reason we don't have peace in our soul is because our body is disagreeing with our mind. The thing that brings the most peace is when the king is Lord over and we love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. With everything we are, there is peace. That's why prayer matters. That's why these things matter. Another way to say Satan, another way to say that title, the way to speak to that is that um, the adversary. What is the adversary of? Creation. He's the adversary of all things that would be created. That's why John 10.10 10 says what? Uh, the thief came to steal, to kill, and destroy. To steal what was created. To kill it. To destroy it. To rid the world of what God had placed in the earth. To ruin purpose and calling and dream and desire. To, to ruin wholeness and completeness. To ruin peace. I'm going to finish. I'm just going to reference these. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you read them. I think we have them, but that's fine. Galatians 4. I just want to finish because I want to pray. And, uh, and I know we've gone a little bit long and I tried to rush through this, but I hope you hear the heart here. Galatians 4, Paul's talking to, really talking to a group of people and trying to help them determine who are children of God. Because people are still wrestling with, wait, are you, you're a Gentile. How can you be this, how can you be part of this if you haven't been done this or you haven't had this ritualistic thing done or whatever and, and Paul's kind of going no 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 it's by faith you are accepted into the family and, and, and he says in Galatians 4 he says this interesting phrase he says why why are you again submitted yourself to the, the things of this world the elemental forces in fact he says this line why are you submitting yourself to things that were never actually God they were, they're not even real gods why do you keep going back to that place? Don't go back to that place. Here's number one. There is a chance that for many of us, we are submitting ourselves to certain thoughts, to certain things. We're submitting ourselves into situations where the enemy is able to pull at and to beat up and to, and to, to, to show dominion. And, and Jesus is still stepping into those situations. Don't get me wrong here. Jesus is not somehow unpresent. He's not like going, oh, hands off here. But, but understand that Jesus steps into those situations and looks at you and goes, you, you're not who you are. 
that I understand what's going on, but it's, it's, it's not you. It's, 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 it's the enemy trying to destroy and to kill. And, and we're submitting ourselves. And Paul's going, stop doing that. Live in the faith that is Christ. Quit submitting yourselves to these things. And then there's another story. And I just, I just want to close with this. The disciples go and try to cast out a demon. They are unsuccessful. The dad comes to Jesus and says, can you do it? I'm tired of watching this happen. Jesus does it. Later, the disciples come to him and go, what happened? We've seen you do this. Why can't we do this? And Jesus says, faith. He says, if, if you had a, a, a faith the size of a mustard seed, put it in the ground, it would sprout up. You can move mountains. Um, and he says this phrase in Matthew. And actually, the editor of Matthew adds this one because he sees it in Mark. And uh, it's an important phrase. It says this. He says, uh, however, some of these only come out through prayer and fasting. So he's saying faith, but what is he really saying? Well, you just need to know who I am and know what I'm bringing. Prayer and fasting. Why is that important? Because Jesus didn't get there and then say a prayer. Jesus got there and said, go. Right? We don't see Jesus lay hands and go, let me pray over you, and at the end of this prayer, it'll be done. Jesus, and I'm sorry I keep coming to you, John. You're not the demon, I promise. But, he's, but I can't do it in jail. I already got, you know. But he doesn't come to the man and lay hands and then go, okay, let me pray this prayer, and there's this perfect prayer. He comes to the man and comes to the child in, in this other story and, and, and casts the demon out. It's like, done, like that. There's no, like, 27-hour prayer. There's nothing. It's just Jesus shows up because he's peace and says, go, and peace happens. So wait, how does it come out with only prayer and fasting if you didn't pray? Well, that's the, that's the key thing about Jesus. Jesus was always praying. He didn't have to pray because he had prayed. Jesus withdrew and return often so that when he would show up in situations like this, he didn't show up hoping he could summon something. He showed up as something. So you walk into your neighborhood, you walk into your workplace, you walk into your life, you, you're called to amazing things. God has put something in your heart and your life and dreams. And for some of you, you're wrestling with that even now. And I'm telling you, don't, don't wait till you get there to figure out how to box. Don't get in the ring and then put on the gloves and go, okay, now how does this work? Man, get with the Lord. Withdraw and return, I'm telling you. Withdraw and return and walk into every situation knowing you've already prayed. It's the whole joke. Why didn't you pray over your food? Because I prayed this morning. Everything is blessed. Plus, by the, food, by the time the food gets to my table, it's already too late. I should have prayed for the chef. There are things in our life right now, for some of us, we keep trying to practically get rid of them. We keep trying to chain them up, diminish, throw them out to the grave. And God is saying, there's listen, there's only some things. These things will only change through prayer, fasting, through the presence of God. There is a freedom that comes in the spirit of the Lord that is different than the freedom that comes in the work of our hands. We do not fight this in an unspiritual way. Yes, there are physical, actual things, rhythms and practices that you should do. But never, ever diminish the spirit of God at work in you and in the work of others. And so I want to pray, and I, the worship team can come up, and I know I've taken more than my uh, given time, and 
Uh, if you have to go, you got to go. The Cowboys don't play till later, so you're fine. I want you to stand real quick. Someday I'm going to learn to preach without raising my voice and end up with a sore throat at every every service. Y'all don't think I'm yelling, but it takes a lot. Um, Because I think think what happens is most people have heard this topic through a raised voice. I think many of us have heard this conversation through a loud, screaming voice. And everything has to be yelling and screaming. And our pictures of demons have red horns and all this kind of stuff. We like went through Revelation, which was an imagery and just said, let's just bring all that here and make it all real. And, you know, witch's invitation, Carmen, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we, and we do all these things and we make all these things. And, we, and, and Jesus didn't do that. Jesus showed up as peace and said, go. Go. You imagine if you would walk into every situation. There's some things that are going to need to be practically done. And then there's other things that you're going to go, go. In the name of Jesus, go. Where you have been under something else, go. Where you have tried all the practical things, you've tried all the stuff, and God's saying, no, just, just go. And God does not throw you out because you've done something not right, because you've messed something up. God cares so deeply about you that he would meet you in the meadow without the rest of the city around, not trying to make a spectacle, and he would say, go. Get out, and you would be found in right mind. The juxtapositioning of what the enemy's trying to do with a right mind. God, I pray right now in every life here that you would bring peace. And we pray against every single spirit, attitude, thought that has gained traction. We pray against every scheme and tactic of the enemy. And we pray peace. Some of you right now, you you just need to hear that. Come Holy Spirit. We speak peace because Jesus is here. We pray that what has tried to come and steal, to kill, and destroy would be gone. Listen, some of us may after this freedom have to go and work some things out. Might have to go back into the city and figure out some new things, for sure. But your freedom is not wrapped up in all the things you can do right and all the patterns and rhythms as important as they are. Right now, we're praying where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I'm going to take some liberties here. I'm not going to take long. I'm going to take some liberties. I want you you just right now, if you go, you know what? I've tried. I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. Today, I want the peace 
that surpasses understanding. I want the peace that only Jesus can give. I want the peace that is a fruit of the Spirit. I want a peace that surpasses all things. And you don't know. You don't, maybe you don't even know how to think about what we just read. Man, I'm not sure about all that stuff. But you know right now that you're not in the right mind. You know right now that your mind is, is, is just tossing to and fro the wind and waves of every circumstance and situation. God wants to bring peace. God has actually already brought peace. So here's what I want you to do. I, just like the man who walked out from the city and stood and met Jesus. And don't make this bigger than, for some of you, this is an actual addiction. There's something that's been with you for a long time. But for some of you, this is just a thought that just keeps coming back and it's you're not bringing it back there's something else going on here for some of you it's a habit there's something that keeps hindering and it, you just can't get past it you're like i've tried everything i put chains on i separated myself from all this stuff i i'm living in a place i don't even want to live in i'm doing I, i've stripped everything off and i still can't get to the deepest parts of me what do i need to do god says i bring peace so here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do what this man did. I want you to ask, I'm going to ask you to come out from the crowd, out from the city, and say, I'm going to stand in my freedom today. What we found is that this man was different, completely, completely different. And so I'm going to ask you right now, if that's you, we're going to sing, and I'm going to pray with you. So if that's you and you say, I, I, I want to, I want to walk in that freedom. Would you just right now, I know you can wait till the song's going, but I just want you right now, because you got a church and a body and a community of people that love you. If you're going, I want to be fully free. I've, I've got some things that have continued to show up in my life that have hindered the fullness of what God wants to do in my world. I know that. People tried to cast me out instead of the problem. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to live in freedom and peace today. Some of you want a measure of peace that you haven't experienced. You're walking through some. Could you just right now come to the front, come to, to where I'm at, and then they're going to worship. If that's you, would you just step on up to the front? Anybody in the room? I know you guys are going, well, I don't want you to do the whole demon thing. I, I get it. Awesome. Anybody else? There's freedom here. There's peace here. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody else is just going, I'm done. I'm done running around in graveyards. I'm done running around with things that just keep telling me I am or I was or I will be. I'm tired of looking like a person that just doesn't have it together. And everybody keeps trying to tell me all these practical tips. And they're great. And there's no problem with it. But this is different. There's something else. And I want, I want freedom. I want freedom. 